Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Hey, welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Welcome back to another week of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. This is Shane Vanderhart. Got Ron Carlson, of course, at the board. Howdy. We are sans Brian Myers. Um, again. He, again. Uh, something with work. I, I don't, I don't, what's that all about? I think, you know, I think he's just making excuses. I think so. Yeah. I think so. He could, he, he, he knows this happens every Friday. He can make it, <laughs> he can make it work. So, uh, and of course, yeah, those of you are listening, this, we, we, we were played on Saturday, but we record on Friday morning. So, because uh, if you're listening, it's like this is not Friday. <laughs> what, what in the world? I, I never. I, I I gave up a long time ago trying to pretend that we weren't live. Sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, well hey, sometimes it sounds like we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we, you know, seem unprepared. Absolutely. So, <laughs> I, I I I think I found my new calling run. What's that? I was driving in Eastern Iowa, and <laughs> I, I I hit up uh, this gas station. I was desperate some coffee i had to um hit i was up in uh, plattsville wisconsin and you know hit through dubuque and and uh, my my caffeine ran out i needed some caffeine so i stopped in monticello and probably had one of the worst cups of coffee oh no (laughs) so my calling i think is to bring respectable coffee to rural iowa i like that idea that sounds good. So somebody on Facebook uh, mentioned to me, "Did you stop by the coffee shop?" What? <laughs> so Monticello, forgive me. Perhaps you have better coffee than I thought. But uh, the the gas station, I won't name them. The gas, there's two or three of them in there. So you'll have to figure which one it is out. But uh, one of your gas stations, holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> horrible, 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 horrible <laughs> coffee. But I, you know, I've driven through rural Kansas and Nebraska. I mean, I've had to get uh, coffee at. You're really desperate when you get coffee at a, a Senex Co-op. Oh yes, um, because that's the only place around to get coffee. Yeah, and I'm like, how? I, I couldn't. I well, if I lived here, I'd be able to brew my own, I guess. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they have access to beans. I mean, there is the internet; and you can order <laughs> online. But I feel bad for these places. Sure. Uh, that that don't have a de- You know, if you don't want to brew your own, if you just want to go out for a cup of coffee. Well, there's nowhere to go. And uh, I, I got a segue for this. We got a special guest online, uh, State Senator Jason Schultz. Um, is there decent coffee in your Senate district? Absolutely, there is. Good morning. It's good great morning. To be here, but yes, we we do have good coffee. Awesome. So, <laughs> so. And, and actually, what my uh, my first job back after moving back in back to my hometown was at a Senex uh, Harvest States Land O'Lakes. Uh, co-op they're all kind of uh, merged at some level okay and uh they and do not have good the- coffee though if you try <laughs> telling me that's good coffee you and i are gonna have words <laughs> no, our our branch actually had uh, larue the vendor larue come in and actually uh, that's not so bad uh, yes that we had pretty good coffee there i couldn't complain much and actually way back in 1994 when i started there 
Uh, they still had the pop machine for 35 cents. You got a 10-ounce wow. glass bottle. Cool. That is awesome. So I'd like to think that that wasn't all that long ago, but I, I guess I could do the math quickly. But, <laughs> but uh, So a 10-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew was really a, really pretty cool at 35 cents. Yeah, yeah. We're, but we're getting older. I think you're about my age. <laughs> yeah, uh, So, yeah, yeah. Mm. I got a 17-year-old, my baby, at home still, and she's going to be graduating next year. And then we'll be empty nesters, which is hard to believe. Um, so anyway, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I didn't want to, we're not, we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't bring Senator Schultz on to talk about coffee. You know, I could talk <laughs> about coffee all, all segment long probably. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, you know, this is, we just ended funnel week and for our listeners who may not be aware, what is the first funnel and what, what's that all about? The, the funnel is uh, what our, our, our casual term for a procedural agreement between the house and the Senate and, and among senators, that the first funnel is a procedural deadline by which a bill must pass out of its original committee. So uh, I, I chair the Labor and Business Relations Committee, a bill that is filed and assigned to this committee by today, uh, today's date, March 3rd, uh, a bill has to be out of committee. If not, it is agreed to that it is no longer up for consideration through regular means. Okay. Yeah, through regular means. So you could you could you could have, you know, bills attached as an amendment, right? You, you you can do that. You can suspend the rules if you have enough votes to do so and and consider something. You can uh, you can take that policy language and tack it onto an appropriations bill, which is which I consider and many many people consider bad form and yet we all still end up seeing it happen right. and sometimes agree with it. You know, it it uh uh, that there, where there's a will, there's a way. If there's enough votes, true, and uh, yeah, and that's definitely the key. If there's enough votes, um, yes, yeah, because sometimes, well, we'll get we'll get into that in just a second. One bill we we do know has uh, uh, survived funnel because it's already been passed and signed into law, and that's the collective bargaining reform bill, which you were the floor manager for in the Senate, uh, yes. uh, which I'm sure was a fun process for you. Um, oh, I'm boy. sure you got some lots of lovely calls. Yeah, so there were lots of uh, cards and letters in the mail, uh, emails, phone calls. Uh, my my inbox has been full and not available more than it has been available, um, and 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 I regret that. But but that many people would call, and uh, when we're in session, I'm I'm typically either in a subcommittee, a committee, or 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 working on a bill. So quite often I can't I can't keep up. Right is, is what happens. Right. And uh, if if uh, if you're uh, I guess what I'll use the, the term rank and file. If you're a member of a committee, uh, you you get constituent email and calls. What I learned this year is that when you are the chair of a committee, you get statewide communications, right. and uh, uh, it, it's difficult to keep up on, on when you get a bill as uh, hot button as as Chapter Twenty so reform was. How can you just kind of what kind of an average of of emails would you get every day on that? A few, a few hundred. Oh wow. Uh, a few hundred, and and the the phone calls really, uh, the phone calls. You know, I my I could see the calls coming in, but I would be in a meeting or subcommittee, or um, there'd be well over a hundred phone calls. Oh gosh, a, a day, and and that's unfortunate because I like to reach back and I like to, to right. touch base and be available. It's it's my personality. It's physically impossible. Yeah, and and actually, there there's a little bit that I suspect was. Are, are you familiar with the the oh the in the computer hacking or computer virus uh, uh, world, they call it denial of service attacks. Yes. 
uh, where where you actually flood a computer with so much information it can it can no longer do what it was meant to do. I suspect there was a little bit of an attempt to simply use up so much of my time in responding that that I couldn't I couldn't effectively legislate. So, so you were hacked. Well, I wouldn't call it hacked, <laughs> but it, but it would be the same style of attempt. Is the Russians. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we've discussed this bill before, but I want to just get your perspective on it. Uh-huh. Uh, what does the collective bargaining reform do? What does it not do? Well, what, what it, what, what I believe, believe I, 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 what I know it does is bring the public employee and private sector employee experience much closer together. Uh, I believe this is the chapter 20 that should have passed in 1974 but I understand there were over 90 amendment, uh, amendments back in 74, and I, I haven't tracked them all down, but I suspect it was mostly just keep it, the amendments typically just kept adding and adding and adding advantages into Iowa code for, for our public employees and, and the unions that represent them. Um, what it does is it, it takes uh, 17 mandatory topics of negotiation, and, and uh, simply put, those are 17 items that if one one side of the negotiation or the other, that'd be employee representative or management. If one side brings it up, the other side has to talk about it by law. Once it's opened up, if there is no agreement and mediation doesn't work, then it goes to a, a arbitrator who is a third party uh, decision maker for, with force of law that doesn't have to answer to the taxpayers. So we ended up in a situation where a very broad list of topics that are typically in in the private sector are are almost universally accepted as choices of management simply business policies yeah and puts them into force of law requiring our elected officials and the people we hire to manage our tax dollars it removes their say in how to run the agency the department the school the 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 county right so is this a union busting bill as it was described uh, no or law now I, I guess we should say well, yeah. Now, I, I've I've also had to stop referring to it as a bill, as a matter of habit, because it is yeah. law. Um, it, it no, it was not meant as a union busting bill. However, I do believe that one of the effects of the bill is as people realize that the unions were not were not effectively representing them, or or not justifying the expense of, in dues. Um, I, I do believe a lot of people are going to to lose interest in paying dues. But it should be said, first of all, that most public employees weren't paying dues to unions anyway. Right. Um, the, see, Iowa is a right-to-work state. Therefore, uh, when the union, uh, and, and I don't know how radios wor- or how uh, numbers work on the radio, but if I could give just an example, uh, it only took 10% under the old law, it only took 10% of a, a collective bargaining unit, an identified mm-hmm. group of employees. It only took 10% of them to petition to have a vote to um, to have a, a a union represent them, right? And once they got that vote, it it only took a majority of those who bothered to vote to to actually choose which union would represent them. Well, we have bargaining units where, uh, first of all, they've never had the opportunity to vote since the yeah. original, you know, the original law in wow. some cases. So we have people who have worked their entire career and have never affirmatively voted for a union representation. That's incredible. Uh, 
Well, that, that, I think so. I think that's wrong. So we, we believe we gave a voice to the public employee, and, and I, I refute the notion that we took, took things away. Yeah. Um, so, so we required some votes there. But, um, but, but what we were finding as we looked is that small percentages of people in mo- many, if not most, of the bargaining units were actually paying dues. Yeah. So, so it, we, I, I think by forcing unions to justify themselves and their representation, and, and remember, under this law, if a, uh, if, a, if a public union or public employee union was certified as the negotiating agent, law required that they represented everybody, right. uh, whether that person wanted represented or not. So, so we, we gave a voice to the public employees. They can, they can recertify their unions and then become actually more active in it. Mm-hmm. Or they can allow them to go away and yeah. and and speak for themselves. Okay. So I don't I don't call it union busting. I call it accountability. Right. Hey, you're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and on the line we've got State Senator Jason Schultz. Uh, we got about four minutes left in the segment, so I just want to move along to sure. a bill that didn't survive Funnel Week, uh, and that's Life at Conception, and that was something that you were involved in the subcommittee for, right? Yes, I chaired the subcommittee on 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 that one uh, last Monday. Okay, so what did that bill do, and and why did why didn't it, you know survive? It it would have placed into Iowa code uh, language that states that Iowa recognizes that life begins at conception, and the policies and conduct or policies and action of the state will reflect that. Uh, it also uh, provided some definitions: uh, contraception, uh, abortifacient. Um, it it identified. Uh, it, it referred also to current code as to what an abortion was and what it wasn't because we didn't want to mistake uh, things such as medical care and miscarriage. Right. And uh, and interestingly, I didn't I didn't write the bill itself. It was assigned to my committee, and I was assigned to the chair. Right. But uh, it also included a provision to not allow the state supreme court uh, uh, discretion in in well the appellate uh, appellate power. Right. And yeah. And obviously, that was something that was going to be challenged because. <laughs> lawyers love that you know oh boy no i know it i know it so it it definitely uh, uh it definitely had plenty for people to talk about yeah i personally love that clause because uh, i believe that's constitutional the legislature can do that um well some would argue they can maybe do it for lower courts and some would say it doesn't apply to supreme court but you know that that's something i think we needs to be hashed out we need to have a discussion on so why didn't what happened to the bill? Uh, why didn't it survive? What happened is we we didn't have um, the on on both the Judiciary Committee. I understand Human Services and in the the full Republican Caucus, we don't have enough uh, uh, life at conception Republicans to to move it along. And I mean, so so on judiciary, we were we were a vote or two short. Uh, human services, I understand, a lot of people were frustrated it wasn't re-referred, but um, I, my understanding there weren't enough there. And and I can tell you, as I as I would do my counts, I could see that going to the floor of the Senate was was not going to be successful either. Yeah. So, and that's something we need to keep in mind, I guess. Um, you know, while it is part of the platform, not every Republican um, supports the platform in every in every aspect. Uh, no, no, we we don't have the. Remember, a few years ago, we had some pledges that people were asked to sign to follow it uh, completely. Um, I I'm not a huge uh, pledge taker or requirer. I would have no trouble because I I'm not sure I can find anything in the 
in the platform that that outright offends me. Right. But this, this this is plank number one, and I am completely and solidly with it. I recognize that not every person who identifies as a Republican is, um, and uh, there, uh, and I just simply have to admit that I have positions; they have positions. Right. So there there was a twenty week ban that did survive the uh, uh, the Senate uh, Human Resources Committee last night on uh, Thursday night. Uh, so. You know, I guess that could possibly be amended on the floor. Uh, that that is one of the potential vehicles. Yeah, so that that'll be interesting to watch. See what happens there. Uh, but anyway, just yeah, thank you, thank you so much for the update. We're almost out of time. Hard to believe. Time flies when you're fast. having fun. It goes fast. It does. So fireworks is that still on? Or yes, is- it is. I expect it, but it is such a pared down bill that a lot of people are going to be surprised that they're even. Ah, okay. This. But, but- but we got our foot in the door. Good. This is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates. Keeping your operations running. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Travis Rizwold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029, and he can help you find the life insurance you need. So, did you listen, Ron, did you listen to Trump's uh, uh, speech to Congress? I've heard bits and pieces of it, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, listen to it live, because um, that evening I just got back from traveling, and uh, lo and behold, I want to spend some time with my family and get dinner and Absolutely. things like that. and. Uh, didn't necessarily want to sit and listen to a political speech. Um, I, I know it's shocking uh, for people. Yes, I am a political junkie, but I even have my limits. So I, I did listen to it the next day. Um, it, I not only watched it, uh, we got a, a nice YouTube app on our, our smart TV. So it was kind of wow. nice to be able to watch it. And every, everybody else was gone. So I was like, all right, dad can have the TV to watch <laughs> you, the, the speech, you know, so without anybody there complaining about it. And then I also read through the transcript as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause sometimes um, there's something you just catch things that maybe you missed if after, after watching it. Um, and you know, it was, and I, fortunately I could say I, I tried to avoid and I, I was successful in avoiding a lot of coverage over it so that way I could have fresh eyes and sure um, on on the transcript as well as watching the speech and I have to say th- an abbreviated version of this would have been a terrific uh, inauguration speech 
I, I, I think that this was probably one of the best speeches that he has given. I thought it was not that I agreed with everything in mm-hmm. it, um, but by and large, I, I think he probably did himself some favors instilling some confidence in the American people and his ability to lead. Um, so, I, you know, I thought it was pretty well done. There were some moments, um, for instance, we've got some clips here I want to play uh, that point out, you know, that, that I'd like to point out some things that he said that I think were significant. Uh, let's play clip number one. Okay. Maybe. Our obligation is to serve, protect, and defend the citizens of the United States. We are also taking strong measures to protect our nation from radical Islamic terrorism. He said the words. Words we've not heard for eight years. Absolutely. <laughs> Saying the phrase got him a standing ovation. According by to data provided by the Department of Justice, the vast majority of individuals convicted of terrorism and terrorism-related offenses since 9-11 came here from outside of our country. We have seen the attacks at home from Boston to San Bernardino to the Pentagon and, yes, even the World Trade Center. We have seen the attacks in France, in Belgium, in Germany, and all over the world. It is not compassionate but reckless to allow uncontrolled entry from places where proper vetting cannot occur. Democrats obviously sitting on their hands. Those given the high honor of admission to the United States should support this country and love its people and its values. We cannot allow a beachhead of terrorism to form inside America. We cannot allow our nation to become a sanctuary for extremists. That is why my administration has been working on improved vetting procedures, and we will shortly take new steps to keep our nation safe and to keep those out who will do us harm. As promised. We could probably stop there. So, again, yeah, he said the words radical Islamic terrorism. It's hard to defeat something if you can't identify it. Absolutely. And, and you know, that that was a great step. Um, something I, a lot of us longing to hear for eight years. Uh, so very happy that he said that. Uh, also, he, you know, he brought up obviously his controversial um, uh, refugee uh, executive order. There's been a lot said on both sides about this. Um, while yes, there's been screening done, um, and you know, people who try to paint that these refugees are coming in without any screening, that's disingenuous. That's not true. Uh, however, uh, he does make a point that there are some areas where that are war torn, where you can't get the information that you need, uh, to do proper vetting. So they have to, they have to adjust. Now, I think ultimately he's going to have to explain what they're doing. I don't think he can permanently you know keep refugees from from these certain areas uh, like Syria 
uh, out forever. Um, but you know, they need to explain how they're improving the vetting process, at least in a way that, you know, if, if there's obviously without giving away classified information, uh, but I think they will need to explain to the American people what they're doing. Uh, he also talks about immigration next. Let's play clip two. Okay. I'm going to bring back millions of jobs. Protecting our workers also means reforming our system of legal immigration. The current outdated system depresses wages for our poorest workers and puts great pressure on taxpayers. Nations around the world, like Canada, Australia, and many others, have a merit-based immigration system. <laughs> clap. I don't know. Should we clap for that? I, it's a I'm basic sure. principle that those seeking to enter a country ought to be able to support themselves financially. Yet in America, we do not enforce this rule, straining the very public resources that our poorest citizens rely upon. According to the National Academy of Sciences, our current immigration system costs American taxpayers many billions of dollars a year. Switching away from this current system of lower-skilled immigration and instead adopting a merit-based system we will have so many more benefits. It will save countless dollars, raise workers' wages, and help struggling families, including immigrant families, enter the middle class. And they will do it quickly. And they will be very, very happy indeed. I think we get done without the... And they'll be happy. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, we can... Anyway... Uh... Of course, those who are promoting immigration reforms, heads are exploding right now. Um, this is this is not a new, well, frankly, not even a unique proposal because he's right. All these other countries do have merit-based. Because, for instance, Canada, while it's got its socialized medicine, it does not want people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, foreigners coming inside, immigrants coming in and, and using it. Uh, I remember looking in when I was going look going to school. I was looking at different schools. I looked at a couple of Canadian um, uh, Bible colleges and, and seminaries, and and uh, the requirements they had for student, you know, to be able to get in as a student, uh, you had to prove that you could support yourself. Yeah. Uh, before they would let you in. So, uh, you know, our and our friends to the north, they're uh, just a tad a little more liberal than we are. Uh, down in the United States collectively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's not unreasonable to expect those immigrating here to be able to support themselves and have skill. So, you know, th- that doesn't necessarily mean we, we have to close our borders to migrant workers. I think there's a way to work that out. But I think by and large, you, you know, you do need to consider these things for the sake of our economy. Anyway, um, so... A controversial thing, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also discussed Obamacare. Let's go ahead and play clip three. Here are the principles that should guide Congress as we move to create a better health care system for all Americans. First, we should ensure that Americans with pre-existing conditions have access to coverage and that we have a stable transition for Americans currently enrolled in the health care exchanges.
Secondly, we should help Americans purchase their own coverage through the use of tax credits and expanded health savings accounts. But it must be the plan they want, not the plan forced on them by our government. Thirdly, we should give our state governors the resources and flexibility they need with Medicaid to make sure no one is left out. Fourth, we should implement legal reforms that protect patients and doctors from unnecessary costs that drive up the price of insurance and work to bring down the artificially high price of drugs and bring them down immediately. And finally, the time has come to give Americans the freedom to purchase health insurance across state lines. Democrats sitting on their hands, which I don't know why. Which will create a truly competitive national marketplace that will bring costs way down and provide far better care. So important. So, yes, so important. I, I like how he interjects that way. Yes, thank you. Didn't realize. So important. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and we're listening to Trump's first address to the joint session of Congress. We can't call it the State of the Union because President Obama already gave that. Um, so the, the incoming president usually always has a joint session. They do as well, but they just don't call it State of the Union. Yep. Uh, even though it had pretty much all the pomp and circumstance, uh, just without the name. So he also uh, took time to honor uh, Karen Owens, a widow of William Ryan Owens, uh, who was a U.S. Navy SEAL that was killed in late January during a raid in Yemen. Let's go ahead. And, this is a compilation of that because it's actually kind of a long segment. Um, but let's go ahead and play clip four. Ryan's legacy is etched into eternity. Thank you. Trump was like keeping the clapping going. As the Bible teaches us, there is no greater act of love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ryan laid down his life for his friends, for his country, and for our freedom. And we will never forget Ryan. This was actually a four-minute long segment. And he, at some point, said, I think Ryan would be smiling knowing that he's setting a record uh, <laughs> for a longest standing ovation. And his wife, uh, uh, his his widow, was uh, obviously teared up. And, and and Democrats, unfortunately, sat through part of that. And then finally, they I think they realized, oh, this does not look good. I Frankly, I don't know why they would sit during any of that. Um, this is not a partisan thing. 
A lot of it I understand. This is just how it works. And Republicans did the same thing to to Barack Obama, and and I get that. But, my goodness, you're honoring a widow of a vet who gave his life in the service of his country. Mm -hmm. Get off your duff and stand up and recognize this. And, and, And somebody says also she was used as a prop. It's like, no, she was honored. Uh, for the sacrifice that her family made. And, and I think that was the right thing to do. Um, I think this was probably President Trump's uh, most presidential moment during his speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me proud as an American. And I'm glad he did that. Um, and we're, <laughs> well, I only had one more clip to go. Uh, we'll, next, coming up next, we'll just, a couple thoughts from the speech I want to share, and then we'll get into some of the other news. This is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Give him a call, 515-292-7141, or go to crosswalkcounseling.org. And we were last segment talking about Trump's first address to a joint session of Congress. Uh, his actual, technically, his first State of the Union address, even though that's not what we call it, since President Obama already gave that in January before he left office. Uh, it was an interesting moment. So a couple things I wanted to mention that he that weren't said. Um, religious freedom was not mentioned. Life, the life cause for life was not mentioned. Uh, Common Core was not mentioned. He did talk about education, but it was solely about school choice. Now, that doesn't mean he won't do anything for any of these things. But I just, I find it interesting that you know those things were left out. Um, one thing I am concerned with, and and other people have noticed, is there definitely have has been a change of tune by President Trump. Uh, since taking office, the words Common Core has not moved past his lips. Um, it's all been all school choice. Then his uh, education secretary, Betsy DeVos, has indicated that the Every Student Succeeds Act has pretty much gotten rid of the notion of Common Core, which is false. <laughs> and then she's also affirmed the role of the federal government approving uh, state plans 
proper assessments and standards and accountability plans. Um, and no, the feds, that's not an okay role for the feds. The feds right. should just be, if anything, should just be a resource to states. They shouldn't approve anything. Um, so that's that's not a good sign for me when I see that. Yeah, great. There might be a federal voucher program. And I, I, I like school choice. I'm in favor of school choice, but I'm not a fan of it from the federal level. And I'm I'm certainly concerned about any strings that's going to be attached to that voucher money. So <clears throat> if that passes. Uh, moving on. Uh, Attorney General Sessions, Pete Sessions, was accused of perjury. Or Jeff Sessions. Not, excuse me, not Pete Sessions. <laughs> uh, Congressman Pete Sessions would probably be. First of all, he got a promotion. Uh, <laughs> but no, Jeff Sessions. Uh, he spoke uh, twice last year, the Washington Post reports, with the Russia's ambassador to the United States. The Justice Department official said encounters he did not disclose when he was asked about possible contacts between members of President Trump's campaign and representatives of Moscow uh, during Sessions' confirmation hearing to become attorney general. Uh, one of the meetings was a private conversation between Sessions and Russian Ambassador Sergei uh, Kislak. I probably mess that up. That took place in September in the senator's office at the height of what the U.S. intelligence officials say was Russian cyber campaigned up in the U.S. presidential race. Uh, then apparently he also met with him during the Republican National Convention. I'm not sure that's met with is appropriate term. He talked with him after he giving a speech to 25 different ambassadors during an event hosted by the Heritage Foundation uh, during the convention. Uh, so, you know, and he probably talked with other Senate, other ambassadors as well. Oh yeah. Um, let's let's play clip six here. This is this is kind of the crux. This is the question that was asked. But CNN just published a story. And this is U.S. Senator the Al Franken. The intelligence community provided documents to the president-elect last week that included information that, quote, Russian operatives claimed to have compromising personal and financial information about Mr. Trump. These documents also allegedly stated, quote, there was a continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump surrogates and intermediaries for the Russian government. Now, again, I'm telling you this is it's coming out, so, uh, you know. But if it's true, it's obviously but if it's true. extremely serious. And if there is any evidence that anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign communicated with the Russian government in the course of this campaign, what will you do? Senator Franken, I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians, um, and I'm unable to comment on it. So then he was asked by Senator Patrick uh, Leahy a similar question in the questionnaires that was sent to Senator uh, now Attorney General Sessions. Several of the president-elect's nominees or senior advisors have Russian ties. Have you been in contact with anyone connected to any part of the Russian government about 20, the 2016 election, either before or after Election Day? His response was no. Democrats are calling on him to resign, uh, saying he perjured himself. 
I could he have mentioned these these uh, uh, encounters certainly, but what were the questions? That's the thing you gotta when you talk about perjury. What was he actually asked? Uh, it, he what he was asked was in reference. To have you basically talked about the campaign with these Russian officials, or do you know have any knowledge of that? And his answers were no. Let's look at this. His first again his first. Um, Encounter was during the Republican National Convention at a Heritage Heritage Foundation event. He was not in control of who was invited. And he spoke to probably, you know, this Russian ambassador is one of several he spoke to. When he met with the Russian ambassador at um, uh, in his office, he was on the Armed Services Committee. This was a function of his job as U.S. Senator. Uh, he later in an interview on Fox News with Tucker Carlson said that the the day before he met with the Ukrainian ambassador and actually was talking with the Russian ambassador and they disagreed on how to, ha- you know, uh, issues re- regarding Ukraine. Again, this is part of his job. So we're going to blame him and expect him to resign because he had contact with the Russian ambassador as part of his job crazy yeah he didn't disclose it they said well obviously he found out somehow i mean it's public record for crying out loud especially with the the visit to his office that's not hard to verify but the thing is he didn't lie that's what perjury is an intentional lie now could he have mentioned that yeah but i'm sure again as for as senator franken was indicating well this is breaking news and you know he wasn't expecting to have to answer for every contact he had with you know members of russia he does know i haven't talked to him about the campaign and oh i have no knowledge of the campaign you Mm -hmm. know uh talking with them and also too we don't know if this actually if the russians actually did have camp uh contact with trump surrogates in a uh way to discuss you know uh, involvement in the U.S. campaign. Uh, that's all conjecture. That's all, you know, accusations made by unnamed sources within the Intelligence Committee. And then it begs the, the question that begs to be asked is, why is that information out there and why was that given to the, the media? Uh, the Intelligence Committee should not be leaking information to the media. Right. Uh, that's when it's classified. And why in the world are they, you know, Basically, they're admitting that we are spying on on the ambassador. We know they are. That's their job to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, you don't necessarily talk about it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I I, I just think, you know, he ended up, he said, I'm going to recuse myself. That was, he, in his press conference, he uh, indicated when he's, when he was confirmed, he met with Justice Department officials about any type of investigation that could possibly occur with the campaign. So this is something they started talking about even before this news broke about how we should handle it, and the decision was made, and they were leaning towards he should just recuse himself since he had involvement with the campaign. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, Senator Grassley said there's nothing to the story, but it was happy that he was recusing himself. I think that's enough. Anyway, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned, everybody. Baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown Down Home American Kids. 
Rules, rules, rules. Why does God have so many of them? He's just too restrictive, and you feel he's limiting your freedom to grow. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. A while back, we adopted four cute, cuddly chicks just a few days out of their shells. I was impressed with how quickly they learned and grew, all without the benefit of chicken examples. In some respects, these resourceful chirpers didn't seem to need us at all. However, that fateful day when they chose to escape our attempts to protect them, they met their premature place on the food chain. We were heartbroken and frustrated, yet also reminded that we too face one who seeks to devour us, that roaring lion, Satan. Remember, the loving confines of God's Word are for your protection, not your restriction. To find that safe place with God, call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465 or online at crosswalkcounseling.org. Hey, do you want to take advantage of the marketing potential within social media for your company or organization, but you're not so sure how? Let me help. My company, 415 Communications, is a social media consulting firm that works with groups like yours. Go to 415communications.com or give me a call at 515-321-5077. And now we come to a new segment we've got uh, that's part of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and it's quickly becoming one of my favorites. (laughs) <laughs> because for one thing, it's so easy to find information or, you know, content for. But drum roll, please, Ron. This week's top Trump tweets of the week, everybody. Our in-studio audience is very excited about this. They just this. love this segment, I tell they, you. They do. This is actually several tweets. In a series of four tweets sent Thursday night, Donald Trump defended Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions, not Pete Sessions. Jeff Sessions is an honest man, tweet number one. He did not say anything wrong. He could have stated his response more accurately, but it was clearly not, and tweet number two, intentional. This whole narrative is a way of saving face for Democrats losing an election that everyone thought they were supposed to and go on to tweet three. You're kind of limited when you have, you know, limited 140 characters, uh, which they were supposed to, tweet three, to win. The Democrats are overplaying their hand. They lost the election, and now they've lost their grip on reality. <laughs> the real story, and hold on, tweet number four, is all the illegal leaks of classified and other information. It is a total witch hunt, exclamation point. So um, this was actually done in the evening, uh, a reasonable hour. I've noticed this week, I haven't noticed many early, mor- early, early morning tweets. Okay. Like 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning tweets. Um, you know, I just, uh, on one hand, okay, uh, you know, yes, with Je- Jeff Sessions, I think now they're trying to find dirt on every single cabinet member, and, and especially, you know, I, I can, Mike. I can. I conjectured that. Um, is that a word? Conjectured. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Well, yeah. It is. It is today. <laughs> and anyway, yeah. I thought since Sessions was involved in the push on eliminating the executive directive on transgender students, that you know, it's like this is now he's he's built he's er, earning the ire of the yeah. left. 
Yeah. Um, they already didn't like him. Now they really don't like him. So let's let's go after him. Let's go, you know let's let's uh, make up this out. Let's be outraged. And actually, um, I think it was on MSNBC. A correspondent said Democrats need to actually be careful. Uh, you can you can be outraged too much, mm-hmm. where Americans will see right through that, and and frankly, getting sick of it, and actually polling showing that they are kind of getting sick of the protests and oh, all yeah. that already. You know, this is going to be a long four years. You try to keep this up. Um, why don't you just let people govern? And then if you got if if they do something in the midst of governing, then you can, you know, then you can go after them. I'm not saying that there if they're a Russian ties to the Trump campaign and if there was involvement and collusion with their the hacking that happened to DNC then yeah I, I'm not saying that doesn't need to be investigated it does and again I think Jeff Sessions was right to uh, recuse himself from that investigation but I also think the leaks of classified information needs to be investigated absolutely because yeah. um, that that's that's breaking the law uh, Sunday afternoon preceding this this he tweeted Russia talk is fake news put out by Dems, played up by the media in order to max the big election defeat and the illegal leaks. <laughs> and then uh, fr- the Friday morning he tweeted, it is so pathetic that Dems have not approved my full cabinet. So we got a, a five for here, or six for. Yeah, there, there you go. Six for one. Um, anyway, never we never run low of content with the top Trump of the week, tweet of the week. Um I bet many people wish he would actually get off Twitter. I hope he never does. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, yes, but on the other hand, it's so entertaining. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>